Thank you for joining us online today. If you have a testimony or a prayer request, you can text that to us by texting HOTL to 97000. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can text a dollar amount to 84321. We hope you enjoy the message and have a great day. We're glad you're here. If you're online with us, uh, just be welcome this morning. We're so glad you could be part of our community. Um, I'm going to pray really quick. I'm going to get right into the word because there's a lot to unpack. Amen. God, I just thank you. I pray that you help me to, to teach, to release, to preach, to speak what you put on my heart uh, in this series, God. And, and I ask that, God, we would hear, that we would not only just hear, but we would respond. God, I pray, I, I believe there's divine, supernatural things that are going to happen today. They're already happening. I, I, I pray that you might open our eyes like the servant uh, of Elisha, where basically he, he didn't see the chariots and he didn't see all the things that the armies of the Lord uh, surrounding the city. And I pray you help us to see the things that we're not seeing. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, so we started a series a couple weeks ago called Things That Matter, Things That Matter to God. And what I want to do this morning is I want to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down things that matter, you guard. Things that matter, you guard. I mean, it, you know, here's the thing. Things that matter, really matter, are things that you guard or things that we guard. And the more value that something has, the more that we are willing to pay to make sure it's secure. Amen? Amen. I mean, when I didn't own a gun, I didn't have a safe. When I bought my first gun, I maybe didn't have a safe. And then when I got two or three, I got a safe. The more things that, the more value that you uh, put on something, the more that you guard it. I guard my wife when I'm out in public. Uh, I guard her by uh, holding her hand in the parking lot. I guard her by holding uh, her hand when we cross the street. I, I guard her actually, this might be weird to you, but you know, the old gentleman thing is you open the door, let her go in. I go in first. She wants me to go in first into a new place. I guard her. And, and, and when, we, when we think this, I, I lock the doors of my car, especially when there are valuable items inside. Amen. Uh, just a few years ago, uh, studies showed that Americans were spending over $17 billion annually on home security. $17 billion. You know, when I read that, I'm like, why didn't I invest in, in home security stocks? <laughs> Because it's higher than that now. It's, it's somewhere between 20 and 23, $24 billion in just what, they, what, they, what we spend on home security. People buy dogs, not just for companionship, but they, but they, but they buy dogs for guarding things. Amen? And, and sometimes you buy a dog and you think it's a guard dog and then somebody tries to break in and it brings you toys or something. And so it's not the same thing. But, you know, I started studying a little bit on weird like I, when I was researching this, it was like guard animals. And I found out there were some pretty strange guard animals. Like, for example, there is a uh, donkeys. Did you know that donkeys are good guard animals? Yeah. I would not have thought that a donkey was a good guard animal. But, I, but there's a picture that I saw, an article, where there was a cougar that attacked a donkey. And the donkey actually killed the cougar. And, and the donkey was dragging the cougar around. I'm like, wow, that is bad. <laughs> or llamas. Did you realize llamas are good guard animals? 
Or there's a story about a guy, I think he was in India, and he was a jeweler. And he basically had break-in after break-in after break-in. So what did he do? He actually put a cobra in at night. There was no more break-ins. It's like, no. Can you imagine that? You walk up like cobras inside. I'm like, I ain't touching that. Some of my favorite movies have been people, about people that are guarding people. You know, I, I, I love like the, I started writing them down. I, I do weird stuff like that. The bodyguard. You know, I love the bodyguard. I love Man on Fire. You know, one of the greatest movies ever. Denzel Washington. In the line of fire, the sentinel, guarding test taken. All of these are about people that are guarding people because there's something in us that, that guards. Amen. I think I even have a, a, a mascot. I tried to find a dog. But basically, I found our school mascot, which is a panther. And I just, I'll put it there just for some of you that are a little attention deficit disorder. Give you something to kind of look at. Um, I'm going to put it down because that's a little too much distraction for for the front row. Um, But there's something about us that is so instinctive so to speak, in the area of guarding. And I believe it's from God. I believe that God put that in us. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, it says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And then we see in Psalm 121, 5-7, where it says, The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. So that we see in the very heart of God, there's something where God guards. God guards his people. God guards his, uh, you know, the people that, that belong to him. And I think that we lean into guarding because God has created us all with that spiritual DNA, so to speak, as well as a mandate to steward what God has created. The garden, for example. If you go back into Genesis, it talks about the creation of the garden. And then there's this one little line in there that says, and yet there was no man to tend the garden. And then God created Adam. So it's like God, God basically is that thing in us to protect, that thing in us, in a, in a police officer to protect and serve, is basically something that's, that's God-ordained. It's in you. That's where the, you know, like if you got a little bit of the mama bear in you, that's where it came from. You know, God's got that in him, and so he imparts it to us. And so there's something about our personality and how we lean, where basically we kind of get into the guarding and we want to be guarded. Amen? And sometimes we need to be reminded from time to time because we let our guard down. I was drawn to the story of Nehemiah and his purpose to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It says in uh, Nehemiah 2.17, But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Somebody say gates for me. Have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. There's something that he was understanding when he saw the city and he saw the walls were in ruin and the gates were destroyed by fire where he actually said, this is, this is a disgrace. This shouldn't happen. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Then we see in Nehemiah 12, 39 and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshana and by the fish gate 
and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate, they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. Somebody say guard for me. The gate of the guard. The gate of the guard. I started researching the gate of the guard. I think it's interesting that scripture records that one of the gates of the city that was being rebuilt by Nehemiah was called gate of the guard. So I started researching it. The gate of the guard was possibly the same as the muster gate or the Mifkod gate. It was also translated as the inspection gate or the watch gate or the enrollment gate. And the gate also had this military connection. Uh, and according to tradition, it was at this gate that David would meet his troops to inspect them. Isn't that interesting? That inspection gate, the gate of the guard. And I believe that there are some gates in our lives that need to be reinforced or rebuilt, if you will, or at least inspected. How many of you have suffered some damage when you let down your guard? You let down your guard. And because people matter to God, he instills some things that are meant to guard us. And sometimes the gate of the guard needs to be rebuilt or reinforced in our life. The, the Hebrew word for, for guard, uh, mizmar, it speaks of, it's an active word. It's not a passive word. And the biggest reason to guard is this, 1 Peter 5.8, where it says, stay alert, watch out for your, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking looking for someone to devour. You know, and I'm telling you what, he doesn't look like this. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to disrespect the mascot for a Christian school, but this is not the devil. Amen? We see in the Old Testament that Satan wanted Job. We see in the New Testament that Jesus told Peter that the devil wanted to sift him. We see there's this strategy, and it's on a continuous basis. You're not going to get out of this world without a fight. You're not going to get out of this world without probably a number of fights. I mean, there is a struggle over you. There's a struggle over your soul, over your life, over your peace, over your joy. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the enemy is like... I don't want you to have joy. I don't want you to have righteousness. And I certainly don't want you to have peace. So there's a battle. There's some of you here this morning that your peace has been shattered. There's people here this morning that you don't know the last time that you really felt true joy. Because of the strategy of the enemy that's constantly coming to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody. And I want to unpack some areas this morning that are important. Because God said they are. They're important for us to guard. We need to be on guard. First of all, guard against sin. Guard against sin. We need to be on guard against sin. In Genesis 4, 6 through 7, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And this is, this is crazy. And its desire is for you, 
but you should rule over it. Even when we are in a sinful culture, there's something where God's word is saying, listen, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to enable you to be able to rule over this because this is not who we are. So we have this conflict. We have this old man. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. I love that. That's great. But then the old man like seems like he's got some resurrection power every once in a while. Amen. About the time that basically somebody pulls out in front of you, there's a resurrection of the old man in you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. So what happens is we have this conflict. We have this old man versus new man. We have this old nature versus new creation. We're freed from sin. We are freed from sin, but we're still capable of it. Old mindsets press in because of sin's desires. Because, you know, even though we're freed from sin and Jesus has taken the sin of the world upon himself and paid the price that we couldn't pay, bottom line is the enemy is still, sin is still waiting at the door and it's desirous for you. And if I am going to guard against sin, I've got to come into agreement with what the word of God defines as sin. I don't get to add my definition. I don't get to change his definition. I don't get to say, well, you know what? This feels good, so I'm just going to do it. That's not it. God has got guardrails for us set up, and it's for our good. How many of you with babies would use a baby gate? We would use a baby gate. No, I don't want to use a baby gate. You know what? If they fall down the stairs, they'll just make them tougher. (laughs) Right? No, we don't do that kind of stuff. Well, most of us don't. But if I'm going to guard against sin, I have to come into agreement. If, um, if, if I'm not going to break the speed limit, I need to be aware of what it is. How many of you just been too little long and you're going, man, I'm cooking here. And everybody else coming this way is going real slow. What's the speed limit? Because you realize, okay, I don't know what the speed limit is. How many of you have ever done that? You know what happens if the officer pulls you over and you say, hey, bro, I just didn't know what the speed limit was. Can you not give me a ticket? He's going to go, you know what was posted back there about a quarter of a mile. And you just didn't pay attention. You just didn't pay attention. Amen? Uh, Second thing is you got to guard your heart. The Bible actually says above all else. Above all else. In Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. Above all else. So biblical definition and understanding. In general, in general usage, it defines the core of the person, your heart. You know, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's your thoughts, it's your everything that flows from it. Physical being, personality, intellect, will, and relationship with God. It's like guard your heart. It's the whole of a person. This whole notion that we have of follow your heart, just follow your heart, has actually caused a lot of damage. Follow your heart has caused a lot of divorce. Follow your heart has caused a lot of adultery. Follow your heart has caused a lot of drug addiction and alcoholism. Well, if I wanted it, it must be good. No, it is not. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all else. Like, wait a minute, I thought I got a new heart though. Can I follow the new heart? 
Psalm 139, 23, 24, David writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. And know my anxiety. See if there's any wicked way in me. This is a man that's called after God's own heart. And he has the capacity to understand, I need to make sure only really God knows my heart. And I need to always submit it to him. Now, as a believer, you've been cleansed from sin and you've been given a new heart. And it's a heart that's precious and soft to the things of God. Do you remember that? Remember that day maybe when you, you were just impacted and you gave your life to the Lord. And man, you just loved everybody. You know, I mean, it's so good. God is good. And then life happens. Brokenness happens. Things continue to happen. And if you're not careful, how I need to guard my heart is I guard that it doesn't get hard. Because man, it can get hard. It can get calloused. It can get cynical. It can get like defensive. It can turn my extroverted personality into an introvert because I just get peopled out because my heart gets hard. There's a constant fight for your, for your heart. And your heart is a treasure that needs to be guarded lest it become hardened to God even again. The heart can also be an idol maker. Wrong affections. You know, your heart can go to wrong affections really easy. And pretty soon you got wrong affections, wrong things. You got stuff that maybe in balance was good, but now you got, you got that thing that you just love to do and it takes you away from the things that God's called you to do. You got to be, you got to have, you know what? You got to exercise some moderation in some things. Because if you don't exercise some moderation, what you'll find is that thing is so stinking fun that it takes me out of fellowship. That that's priority on my calendar more than gathering with the people of God. I mean, you got to be super careful about that because that's how insidious it is. He's not, he's not going to come up to you like a roaring lion. It says he's like a roaring lion. But if you ever see a cat, you ever see a cat basically uh, or a video of a lion stalking some? I mean, that, that prey doesn't even know it's there. It doesn't even know it's there until boom, it's too hard. Oh, got it. <laughs> Blood all over that front seat. I got you, didn't I? I love that. Dude, you're... Hey, he's on my security team. This caught him by surprise. I love that. That was awesome seeing your girl up here helping lead worship today. I was looking at you and going, uh, is he worshiping or is he just looking? Ask my girl. A little of both. That's good. Okay, the third thing. You guys all with me? You got to guard your mind. You got to guard your mind. Just in case some of you over here didn't see the safe. That's what that is. <laughs> Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You got to hide it in your head. What do you hide in your head? You got to hide the word of God. In Psalm 119.11, it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. One of the best ways that you guard your mind is to make sure that you are actually putting the Word of God in your mind. 
If you don't put the word of God in, but there's something, it's not just about like reading. And it's not just, well, my assignment today is I got to read one chapter. It's more than that. When you, when you open this word and you begin to actually read the word of God, there's times when like, I don't really understand all this, but there's this divine impartation, this supernatural thing, because the, the Bible says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Something actually happens when you're reading the word of God and the Holy Spirit takes and opens the eyes of your heart to, to, to be able to start transforming your mind. And some of it's pretty simple. Some of it's like thou don't do that. Some of it, that's, this doesn't take a grammar or English teacher to unpack that for you. Stop doing that. So when we, when we look at this, I would say you got to police your thoughts you got to be suspicious a little bit about the stuff that's in your head. I'm not talking about getting into like conspiracy, dark tunnels and all this, but I'm talking about being suspicious about some of the thoughts in your head. Not everything, not every thought that comes into your head is good. Can I say that to somebody this morning? The Bible says take every thought into captivity. Your, 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 your thinking leads to emotions, and then those emotions then lead to your choices. I was talking to Robbie about that a little bit, because there's a lot of people, they haven't safeguarded their mind. And she reminded me about a cowbird. Well, I didn't know a lot about a cowbird, but, you know, she said, hey, look up a cowbird. So I started looking up a cowbird. How many of you guys know everything there is to know about a cowbird? I almost do now. That's just how I roll. So a cowbird is what is, is known. There's some animals that basically they're called brood parasites. And so the cowbird doesn't build its own nest. It actually goes and takes over another bird's nest and lays an egg or eggs and then that, that egg is typically, that hatchling is bigger than what the original bird was, and it basically overtakes it. It's kind of a sick thought. You know, your thinking leads to emotions, then leads to choices. And what happens is that when, when that cowbird lays an egg in a different bird's nest, different species nest, the original bird doesn't recognize that the egg isn't hers. There's thoughts that come into your head that you are not recognizing are not yours. They're not yours and they're not God's. There's an enemy that is, you know, and I, this is just kind of a weird thought. I just, I'm going to go there. How many of you raise chickens? How many of you love eggs? You realize that eggs come from the same place that they poop? And I'm thinking about the cowbird. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's just some trash that's getting deposited in your thinking and my thinking that if we don't understand, we don't recognize it, we, we, we don't understand what, it, hey, wait a minute, that is not supposed to be in this nest. And we allow stuff to be in this nest that shouldn't be allowed to be in this nest. And they basically grow up and they get feathers and wings and, and then they're flying around in your bad brain. Right? We, we, we've, we've got to understand this. And we have to guard our mind. 
You also have to guard the gate. Guard the gates. I have two gates that I really, really try my best to guard, and that's my eye gate and my ear gate. It's pretty self-explanatory. In Job 31.1, it says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Here's a guy that God was bragging about. And you know why he was able to brag about him? Because I think Job knew, I need to watch this eye gate. Porn generates, pornography generates 12 to 14 billion dollars annually in the United States. The United States is the biggest consumer of porn, of pornography. And there might be somebody here where you're saying, gosh, I didn't come to church for this pastor to preach about pornography. You need a pastor that will preach about pornography. Because it is absolutely addictive and insidious. And when, when there's participation in it, you're actually participation in the victimization of women and girls and child trafficking and all of that stuff. It's, it's huge and it's absolutely ugly. Porn tricks your brain's reward center. Your body has this switch, this dopamine and how it all works within your neurological makeup. So for example, if you have a a craving for sugar and then you have sugar, basically the switch will go off (laughs) for most of us. Sometimes it doesn't go off. Is there more chocolate in the house? Porn activates that switch, but the switch never goes off. In fact, what happens is the switch, the switch requires more. It doesn't go off. It it requires more to actually flip the switch. It's like, I believe it's in Proverbs where it says, the leech has two sisters crying, give, give. There's something that just generates something in you. And studies show that it triggers addiction and that it also rewires your brain. Regarding internet addiction, neuroscientific research supports the assumption that the underlying neural processes are similar to substance addiction. And you've got to guard your eyes. Your eyes will lead, lead you into coveting as well. That's a nice shiny tool you have. I wish I had a nice shiny tool like that. I mean, if you're not careful, that's how we do. We compare. I know some of you are like, man, I wish I was dressed like that guy. Well, I changed three times today because my wife didn't approve. No, those boots don't go with that pants and that shirt's too wrinkled. And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got introduced to your world. Jesus name. I think you got to, you, I think you have to guard your ear gate as well. You got to guard what's going inside. And I'm telling you what, if you're, if you're out there and all you, you know, you're, 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 you're listening to this and listening to that and listening to this, I mean, it starts permeating your heart. It starts changing some things inside of you. Just like if you're, if you want to be healthy, you can't eat at McDonald's every day, right? I mean, you got to add something. Yeah, come on, man. Every once in a while, I had a great burger the other day. It was great, but I can't do it all the time. 
Hamburger's like my favorite. It's my favorite food group. It's a hamburger and fries. But I realize if that's all I ate, I am not going to be healthy. Okay, I'm going to get into one that will probably surprise you a little bit. But you have to guard grace. You have to guard your grace. It's pretty simple. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Do we see the sequence? When something valuable has been given to you, it puts more responsibility on you to guard it, right? So two thoughts. Legalism will always want to creep in and you need to recognize the difference. We didn't earn anything to be saved. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do. What we do is we're actually responding to the invitation to come in and to repent and say, I need a Savior and I need to walk with you. We, we understand that grace and faith now motivates us to not only live differently, but also empowers us to live differently. If I could have lived differently without the grace of God, I wouldn't have needed Jesus. I could not live. You could not live. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, what if I'm just a good person? Listen, it's not enough because my good compared to God's holiness, I mean, it's a whole different pay grade. I needed Jesus. You need Jesus. And that grace and faith motivates us and we received it and we guard it. Secondly, once again, notice the sequence. It's grace through faith, not of yourselves, leads to works. So works is good. Works is good. Fruit is good. But when I thought about guarding grace, I felt like I was reminded that we've received grace and should be releasing grace as well. Sequentially, we see grace, faith, then works. However, we look at people through works first. And if the works line up, then maybe we'll have grace for you and have faith in you and trust you. And that's backwards from the way God does it with us. We have received a tremendous gift and not, on, not our own doing. And we'd like to look at others first through the lens of works and not of grace. And we have to guard grace. Grace is one of the most incredible, powerful a supernatural, uh, released, uh, uh, amazing things that God has done in our lives. For by grace you're saved through faith. And I think that a lot of times if we're not careful, the farther away that we get from that understanding of the grace, the more that we want to apply works. And we even do it to ourselves at times. We can be super hard on ourselves when we don't measure up. We can have our worship team come. And finally this morning, we have to guard people. We have to guard people. The first um, message that I preached in this series was if people matter to God, then people need to matter to us. They need to matter to us. And when I think about the things that matter to God, it always centers around people. I love to talk about vision, but you know what? I've said this for years. Vision is messy. You know why vision is messy? Because vision always has to involve people. 
There's always going to be cleanup on aisle five. There's always going to be a train wreck. There's always going to be all this stuff that happens when you have vision because it's about people. And if people didn't need vision, but they do, because the Bible says that without vision, people perish. But I want to guard people. I'm a shepherd, so I want to lead well, but I'm also a sheepdog, and that requires guarding. David was a shepherd, and in the process, he protected the sheep from a lion and a bear. The Father sent Jesus because people matter, and the church exists because people matter. What we're doing here today is one of the most amazing things on the face of the earth. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And what was he saying? I'm going to build people. I'm going to take the walls. I'm going to take the rubble. I'm going to take the gates that have been burned with fire. And I'm going to put them together. And I'm going to create something. And I'm going to call it a city. I'm going to call it the church. I'm going to set it above so many things. And so when I look at this, it leads me to Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only, only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Like, wow, I don't know about you, but that is super convicting. Because I'm going, laugh. Well, well, can I let a little corrupting talk come out of my mouth? Because they deserve it. Nope. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. But only such is good huh, for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace. Wow, there I've guarded my grace and now I actually my words are grace. Oh, Jesus, help us. We need to be people who build people. We need to be people who guard people. We should guard people with our words and with our thoughts and certainly with our actions and with our confidences. Your name should be safe in my mouth and my name should be safe in your mouth. There's something about this that I think if we would get, you know, we were talking about pornography. We talked about some of the other things, but I'm telling you what, I think one of the most accepted uh, sin in the church today is gossip because it's like, well, uh, I, I just need to tell you something so you can pray. No, you don't. You're trying to tell me something just so you can gossip. We should guard people with our words and with our thoughts, with our actions, with our confidence. Corrupting talk is is gossip. It's critical. It's tearing down. It's sowing doubt. It's speaking ill. It's speaking falsehood or bearing false witness. Our words should be building, giving bread. We should think the best and believe the best. Think about the prophetic ministry in the New Testament. It was to exhort. It was to encourage. It was to build up. I'm not talking about the lack of accountability. That's actually helping build people, making sure that there's accountability. But I'm talking about people with a heart of Nehemiah, where they recognize, man, stuff is broken down. Walls are broken. Gates are burned with fire. I want to be the kind of person that says, hey, I'm going to take my shovel, and I'm going to take my sword, and we're, we're going to build, and I'm going to defend some things while I'm building, and I'm not coming off this mountain. I'm not coming off this wall. Why should I come down? Because this is a call on my life. This is a call in your life. This is your call. This is amazing.
God's calling us to rebuild walls. And there may be somebody here today, you need some repairs to the walls and certainly repairs to the gates of your life. And maybe the gate of the guard is in in disrepair and the Holy Spirit is reminding you and prompting you, speaking to you right now. Yeah, I got to rebuild this eye gate. I got to rebuild the ear gate. I got to rebuild the inspection gate. Holy Spirit, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Because I haven't wanted to ask him. I haven't wanted to ask him because I kind of know what he would say. I'm telling you what, the church is going to a whole nother level of character, of integrity, of wholeness, of holiness. And maybe today we need to repent of some things. Repentance is an amazing word. It's a powerful word. The first word that John the Baptist used in his public ministry. It's the first word that Jesus used in his public ministry. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It means simply you're going one way in error and you get a second thought that reveals the error and you go, I, I should be going this way. God guards us passionately. And he sets up guardrails that keep us safe. And there's a partnership that involves us as well. I'm here today to declare that God loves you. I'm here today to declare that he is for you. I'm here today to declare that he is guarding you because you are precious and you are valuable to him. I'm here today to declare over your life that there's a future, that there's a hope, that you don't have to stay in this broken down place, that you can trust the Holy Spirit as he prompts you and equips you to rebuild some gates and rebuild some walls in your life. There's a poem that was written over 100 years ago by Myra Brooks Welch about an auction and an old violin. In the auction, there was this beat-up instrument, this violin. The auctioneer started, will somebody give me $3? And there's no bid. Will somebody give me $2? And there's no bid. Will somebody give me a dollar? And there's no bid. And then an old man stood up in the back and he walked forward and he picked up that violin and he began to play and it was the most beautiful thing that people have heard and then he sat down and you could feel the crowd moved you could feel that they looked at that old instrument in a different way And the auctioneer started the bid. Who give me 3,000? What changed? What changed is that instrument was in the hand of a master. Your life in the hand of God is so amazing if you will trust Him, if you will give Him your whole heart. 
You may be beat up, walls down, gates burned with fire, but God is inviting us to trust in Him, to put our lives in His hands. He is the resurrection. He is the rebuilder. And you and I are so valuable to Him. He's the master, and if you put your trust in His life, you put, you trust Him with your life, there will be a much different outcome for you here and in eternity. I want you to just bow your heads and your hearts with me for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never responded to that invitation. God, I just open my heart, open the door of my heart and I give my heart to you. I'm going to trust you with my life. I repent. I need a savior. If that's you this morning, every head bowed, I want you to raise your hand. If you're saying today, I want to give my life and my heart. I want to trust God with my life and my heart. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. It's good. We do this in community. We do this in family. faith they're seeing God do amazing things in the lives of people that they minister to we believe in it very strongly I have a sense this morning that that there are people here that you realize my gates have been burned and I need some rebuilding walls are crumbling and I need some rebuilding we're just going to worship for another moment or two and I'm going to give you a chance just to come up listen it's so important to partner together with somebody let somebody pray for you. I, I, I believe this morning that there are people here that that story about the cowbird, that brood parasite really resonated in you because you realize I've got some stuff that I've basically allowed to come into my thinking that's actually started to define who I am. You've allowed it to define who you are. And, and, and there's thoughts like I'm not worthy. 
Uh, maybe, you know, somebody even in a situation where you're keeping yourself in that situation because the self, the self-degradation, the self-worth, whatever's going on is so, is so difficult. Those are, those are things that need to be. Listen, if you're here this morning and you realize I've allowed some thoughts to come into my head, you might be online with us. I want you to participate as well. There might be some thoughts. You, you, you realize there's some thoughts that have come into my head that now I realize that's not my thoughts and that's not God thoughts. I heard this recently. It resonated in me. I can't afford to have a thought in my head that God doesn't have towards me. Amen. If that's you and you realize and I've just got some stuff going on in here and I need it broken, I need it broken today. I want you to raise your hand. I need it broken today. There's been some things, there's been accusations, there's been stuff dropped into your spirit, into your thinking, and you're going, I, I, I want that broken. Come on, lift your hands up if that's you today. Father, right now we pray and we ask that you would break every strategy every strategy every lying thing everything that's been deposited in thinking that's not from you that god we would we would walk with just a great discernment and a great wisdom to understand that your thoughts towards us are good that if you are with us who can be against us that i know the plans and purposes that i have for you says the lord plans to give you a future plans to prosper you to give you a hope in the name of jesus god we pray and thank you for that today in the name of jesus amen listen here's what we're going to do we're going to continue to minister some people for just a moment or two this morning if you're a guest with us uh, we want to connect with you we've got a gift for you as you leave on the information counter we love people i would just encourage you to just invite people, invite the broken. You're gonna be with broken people all week. Somebody that the gates have been burned and the walls have been crumbling and they need somebody to reach out. They need the Nehemiah that's in you, the Nehemiah that's in me. That says, I'm bound by the Holy Spirit to build people. I'm, I'm attracted to broke, I, I, I'm attracted to broken people. I am, I see them and I love them. I believe that's the church. That's the church. So when you love them, reach out to them. It's imperative. They're drowning out there. They may look good on the ins, on the outside, but on the inside, they're all broken. Let's be the church. Let's not see somebody drowning out in the pond and just drive by and say, have a good day, God bless you. Let's actually be the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus. Can we, can we do that, church? Amen. Let's put our hands together and give the Lord a praise this morning.